Well, good morning. Psalm 111 begins like this. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. There are certainly many things that we can be thankful for this morning. We get to gather together in this virtual space. Our congregation has continued to give faithfully and generous through this time. There have been many people going to through extra effort, staying connected, sending cards and letters, making extra phone calls. We've really been encouraged by how our congregation has continued to connect while we're apart physically. There's also uh, people like Ken Foster who have been up at church doing a few projects. A few of our uh, other members have been doing some landscaping around the building as well as we are eagerly anticipating the time that we get to come back in the building together. I do have a couple other reminders for you uh, this morning. Uh, we will be having uh, communion, par- participating in that together. So if you haven't already got your communion supplies together, we encourage you to do that before the service is about to begin. And also, we're still collecting uh, your favorite picture of you and your mom. If you haven't already, take out that uh, photo and then email it to me this week. That would be great. And we'll and, uh, encourage you to log on early next week so you can see all the pictures uh, on Mother's Day. You also hopefully have gotten Pastor Keith's Friday update in there. The one thing that I do want to remind you again is that uh, the elders are aware of the uh, new lighter restrictions that are going to affect tomorrow, and we are um, going to continue to monitor that such situation. There's just a lot of unknown, so we're not quite ready to get back in the building yet, but the elders are going to get together in the next couple of weeks, and we'll make sure to keep you updated via email and Pastor Keith's weekly Friday update. So make sure you're checking those. As we continue uh, to prepare for worship this morning, when I go back to the beginning of um, Psalm 111 and read a few more verses. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty in his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we're just thankful. We're thankful this morning that we can gather together in the midst of our congregation, even though we are not in our sanctuary altogether. Lord, I pray this morning that we would be encouraged, that we would be encouraged as we worship through song together, as we open up your scripture together, as we hear uh, more just uh, God honoring and glorifying music, as Pastor Keith uh, shares the message that he has prepared from your word with us this morning, as we partake in communion together. Lord, that our hearts would be encouraged, that our faith would be strengthened as we gather today to worship you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And with that, we are always reminded that Christ is the source of all that we do, all that we have, every way that we love, and every way we let that light shine out. He calls us to meet him on the pages of Scripture and to return songs of praise. So let's use this hymn to do just that.
Let's continue worshiping the Lord our God by reading from His Holy Word. We'll read responsively, and I will begin in Psalm 139. O Lord, You have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is a light with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting.
justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raise with him to endless life. He will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight. When he
What your grace really means The price that I could never pay Was paid at Calvary So instead of trying to repay you And learning to simply obey you By giving up my life to you For all that you've given to me I ask you how many times will you pick me up When I keep on letting you down And each time I fall short of your glory How far will forgiveness abound And you answer my church, I love you And as long Thank you, Madeline, for that encouraging message. How good it is to know that we can walk in the power of His daily sufficient grace. Well, I encourage you to take your Bible out. I think you're going to want it this morning to refer to our passage. We're in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. A couple of weeks ago, we began a series in this marvelous chapter. The book of Hebrews was written to some discouraged believers uh, it was written as an encouragement for them to persevere, to hang in there, to live as people of faith. This chapter in chapter 11 is loaded with stories of Old Testament believers, Old Testament heroes of the faith. Sometimes when we look at, at them, it's easy to think that these examples of the faith are not normal. They're super normal. They are the overachievers People who inspire us, but we don't really expect to ever be like them. But in fact, the point of this whole passage is to encourage us that their type of faith is for us. It is to be our type of faith. Today our study is in verses 4 through 7 here of Hebrews chapter 11. And the key verse in our passage this morning is verse 6. It's where the main point, the main message is. And so we're going to start there in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. Follow along as I read. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This verse tells us that without faith, we cannot do anything that pleases God. But the converse of that is also true, that when we exhibit faith in God, we please Him. We bring a smile to His face. God approves, as we saw last week or two weeks ago up in verse 2, God gives His commendation. He gives His attaboy to people of faith. There's a few things, a few keys here I'd like for us to note this morning about pleasing God. 
We please God by faith. We cannot come to Him by our own efforts, by works. We cannot come to Him by our own merit, by our own goodness. We are sinners, and we have no way to get to God on our own. But God has provided a way for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Faith is how we receive God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. But faith is also the basis of our continuing relationship with God. Faith is not just meant for dying like a life insurance policy, so we have faith so that we can get to heaven. Faith is more. Faith is also about living. Faith not only initiates our relationship with God, but faith also informs us how to live in our relationship with Him. Faith drives us in our purpose, it directs our passions, and it sustains us both in the, the demands of daily life and also in times of great turmoil. This verse, Hebrews eleven six, goes on to describe this faith and ways that this faith is expressed. You notice it says that faith believes that he, that he, that's God, exists. And what that means is more than just belief in a God. It means belief in the God, in the God, in God who has revealed himself and all that he has revealed himself to be. It's the God who is, that's literally the way that word is translated, believe that he is. And I think it's taking us deliberately back to the Old Testament when God revealed himself as the great I am. He is, as we saw last week in verse 3, He is the creator of everything. He is, in the opening verses of this book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses the first two verses, it says there, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has spoken through the prophets and Jesus is God. He is God the Son. All that faith believes and all that God has revealed himself to be. Secondly, this informs us that faith is expressed not only in believing that God exists, but it says that believing that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Faith believes that God rewards our hope, our aim, our confidence, it all comes from God, not from our own merit. So it's not that we, that we somehow achieve things on our own. It's God who rewards. But it also means that our hope is not in this life. Our hope is not in the stuff that we accumulate here, but our hope is in the great rewards that God gives while He gives all the blessings we enjoy here. But the fact is that God has said the real treasures are not here. The real treasures are in heaven. Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven. And actually, even to take that just a little bit farther, the great reward isn't even all the rewards of heaven. The great reward, if we really go and dig in Scripture, is God himself. 
I am your very great reward, God told Abraham. So faith believes that God is. Faith also believes that God rewards. And then thirdly, faith seeks him. It says that God is the rewarder of those who seek him. God desires a relationship with us. This is an astounding truth. God has revealed himself as a God who desires to be found. He's a God who desires, as I said, a relationship with us. He desires seekers, those who look for him, because we desire relationship with him. The marvel of that is that God has said, for example, in First Chronicles 28, verse 9, God has said, if you seek him, you'll find him. But if you'll forsake him, he'll cast you off forever. Those of us, when we seek God, we will find him, he says. Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me early will find me. Jeremiah says the same thing. He says, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jesus In John chapter 6, he says in verse 37, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So the the message is that those who seek him will find him. Anyone who turns to God, he will not turn away. But the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Faith pleases God, but it all begins with a relationship with Him. It's really all about a relationship with Him. And He calls and invites you today. If you never have before, it's time to begin a relationship with God. And that A relationship with Him is to know Him as your Savior by believing, by trusting in Jesus Christ He invites you to do that today, even right now, sitting in your own home. Verse 6, that's the key verse, the big point in this passage, but it's surrounded by three examples. Three examples of three men who pleased God by their faith in Him. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. These three men all lived in the period of time between creation and the great flood of Noah. In those days is when these men lived. What we learned a few months ago is the antediluvian, the before the flood period of time. They give us three different pictures, three snapshots of what this kind of faith looks like when it's fleshed out in real life. So we've we've seen the main point. Now let's go back and look at the examples. Starts in verse 4 where we read, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel pleased God. Genesis chapter 4, brothers Cain and Abel came to worship God. And you recall that God received Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. And the Bible doesn't tell us what the exact issue was with Cain's sacrifice, but the indication in both Genesis and here in Hebrews is that their heart attitude was key. 
Genesis, excuse me, it says here in verse 4 that, that Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. In other words, by trusting God and by obeying him. He says Abel pleased God in his worship because he was seeking and pursuing God by faith. And by the way, Cain didn't. We get a glimpse of his heart back in Genesis chapter 4 when his offering was rejected. He, he wasn't sad. He got angry. And when God confronted him about his anger and his, and his failure here, he, uh, he was given the opportunity to do, the, to do the right thing. But there was no repentance on Cain's part. There was no change. In fact, he was so angry, we'd, he then went out and he murdered his brother Abel. Cain really is an example of a religious person. Someone who embraces some of God's truth, but yet wants to come to God on their own terms. But God isn't looking for religious people. God is looking for people of faith. Even as Jesus said in John chapter 4, he says that true worshipers don't come to, or excuse me, true worshipers do come to God in spirit and in truth. In other words, with a right heart and with right belief. The focus here is not Abel, the focus here, excuse me, the focus is Abel, not Cain. And I notice it says, Abel's life still speaks. We wonder what is the message of Abel's life? And while I think it is that he came in faith to God, it's, I think, even more than that. Because I think the message is that Abel stands as an example of faith that is persecuted. Abel believed God, he was faithful, but his faithfulness got him killed. He's an example of how faith believes that following God is more valuable, more precious even than life itself. And why is that? Because as our text tells us, God is the rewarder of those who seek him. Even if we don't receive all the things we might think we want or all the things that we think we need or, or all the things that, you know, this, the blessings that other people get. Bible says anything we lose, we don't really lose anything when we gain heaven and when we gain God. Jesus said the one who gives up anything for my sake and he lists a whole number of things. He says, I will repay a hundredfold. In Abel's case, one who suffered injustice for doing right, God is the rewarder and we know that justice is coming. Well, that brings us now to verse 5 for the second example here in our text of how faith is fleshed out. Verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch pleased God. I call Enoch an obscure standout. He's obscure because his story is only four brief verses in Genesis, not really a whole lot of remarkable things when you read the whole, the whole book, unless you read carefully. Because he's just tucked away there in a genealogy of Adam's descendants, a list of Adam's family tree. And it reads like tombstones in a cemetery. 
It names somebody and how long they lived and few words about their children and the age at which they died. Name after name after name, all except one. With Enoch, there's a break in the pattern. He stands out because Genesis says there in Genesis 5, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch did not die. Everyone else died. Everyone else dies, but Enoch didn't. He lived 365 years, and it says, then God took him to heaven without dying. There's only one other person, all of Scripture, to whom this happened, and that's the prophet Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2, who was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. That makes him a standout. He's obscure, but he's a standout. One of only two people who've ever lived taken to heaven without dying. Why did God single this man out for that unique honor? Well, Genesis 5 gives us just a brief insight. Two times it says of Enoch, it says, Enoch walked with God. Enoch pleased God, in other words, in his walk. Walking with God is a word picture, but what does it mean? It's an important question, I think. So let me suggest a few ideas. When we walk with someone, we need to walk in step with them. We need to go the same direction they're going, at the same kind of pace they're going. Otherwise, we don't walk with them very long. And so what it means is when Enoch walked with God, he's following God's way. He's going God's direction. More than that, when we walk with someone, usually it involves talking, fellowship, sharing. There's a relationship here. Walking with someone, walking with God, means being in relationship with Him, getting to know one another, spending time intimately with Him. A third thing I think walking uh, pictures is persistence, being persistent, being faithful. Walking quickly gets old. I don't have a lot of patience to walk very far. So when I was younger and I was in better shape, I used to run everywhere. Walking was too slow. But to go very far when you walk, it takes persistence because it takes time, it takes effort, it takes strength. Walking with God in this sense means going the distance, means being persistent, going all the way, all the time, being faithful. And one last suggestion about what this means. As I think about walking, it's probably the least flashy, the least impressive way to get anywhere. Running is more impressive, even better using a bicycle, even more impressive a unicycle or a sports car. Walking, it's not impressive. And it's interesting, as we look at Enoch's life, we are never told of one big, spectacular, impressive thing that he did. Nothing that Enoch did seemed to stand out except that he walked with God. I look at that as being faithful in the dailies, in just the ordinary ins and outs, day in and day out of life. He apparently just persistently lived in relationship with God, following him in all the just ordinary stuff of life. And God commended him 
He was so pleased with that that God just takes him right to heaven without dying. And I find that extraordinarily encouraging to all of us who think I'm nobody special. I'll never do anything extraordinary. God looks at a guy who isn't that extraordinary from a human perspective. And he just looks at that guy who just walks with him day in and day out. And God is pleased. He is an attaboy, such a big one. He just takes him home to heaven. By the way, it's interesting to notice that Enoch did not always walk with God. Genesis chapter 5 indicates that Enoch began walking with God when he was 65 years old. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but something changed that year when his son was born. For 65 years, Enoch apparently was going his own way, but then he started walking with God. And I find that, again, incredibly uh, comforting and encouraging. I praise God for His grace because our life doesn't need to be defined by where we've been and what we were. The question is, will we walk with God today and tomorrow and the next day? For the third example of faith, Here in this passage, we skip past our verse 6, which is our key verse, remember, where we learned the lesson, and we go to verse 7. There we read, By faith Noah, being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah pleased God. Of all these three characters, you're probably most acquainted, of course, with the story of Noah. Noah was warned about things not yet seen. God said he was going to destroy the world by a flood. Noah had never seen a flood, nor had Noah ever seen the destruction of the whole world. But as we saw back in verse 1 a couple of weeks ago, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And God told Noah... To build an ark, an enormous barge because a flood was coming, a barge 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, an enormous uh, construction project. And solely on the basis of God's word, Noah obeys and he went to work. And it appears from the text there in Genesis that it took 120 years for Noah to construct this ark. Noah pleased God in his obedience. What a test of faith that must have been. Besides the cost in money, besides the cost in labor, besides the cost in years of life, Noah was probably... uh, There was a great cost to him, I imagine, in terms of ridicule. His obedience to God was on full display before an unbelieving world. I imagine it's not very easy to hide an ark. (laughs) He was probably considered great entertainment in his day. I imagine people came from all over to see Nutty Noah and what he's up to today. He was probably the continual butt of jokes and the scorn of the intellectual elites. Why would Noah go through all that? Well, our verse here in Hebrews says that he obeyed out of reverent or holy fear. Noah believed and he feared. Because he believed God, 
Noah believed the flood was coming. He feared the flood. And so he built the boat. And his faith brought a smile to God's face. It pleased God. But there's one more aspect of Noah's faith that we need to see here. Because it's something else that that um, helps us understand why and how Noah believed God. What moved him? Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. There's that phrase again, walked with God. It's used only of these two men, Enoch and Noah. What it really shows us, though, is they they put in practice what this text says, that faith seeks God out. They sought God out. They, they wanted a personal companionship with him. Noah trusted God, you see, because he knew him. Three very different men... Three very different stories. One of them was murdered because he did what was right. One of them, Enoch, seemed to live a most unextraordinary life. From outward appearances, nothing unusual until simply one day God took him to heaven without dying. One of them, Noah, was most extraordinary. He was a godly man in a most ungodly time. A man who spent over a century building a barge that saved his family and representatives of all land-dwelling creatures and then repopulated the post-flood world. Very different indeed. Very different outcomes from a human perspective. And yet all three of these men were commended by God for their faith. And so from that, I learn that life that pleases God is not measured by the number of years that we live. Nor is it measured by the accomplishments that we achieve. Nor is it measured even by the hardships we endure, nor by the blessings or the prosperity that we enjoy. No, a life that pleases God is measured simply by faith. By believing God for who He is. By believing our reward is found in Him, not in any other treasures. And faith that is exemplified by seeking Him, desiring to know and to follow and to walk with Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your grace. Grace that has provided a means by which we can come to You not by our goodness and our works, but simply, solely by faith, believing in you and in your provision for us through Jesus Christ. And by that faith, you bring us into relationship with you, and you desire for us to live in relationship with you. 
We confess, Father, we struggle with that. We struggle with being people of faith. We so often are faithless. Instead of walking with you, we walk away from you. As Isaiah wrote, we are prone to wander. Father, I pray that you would help grow us into men and women of faith. That we would believe you in all of who you have revealed yourself to us, of who you are. For you've told us so much, if we just will believe that, it will change our attitudes, it will change our actions. May we believe that you are our very great reward. It's found in you and it's not in the other stuff of earth. And may we seek you and desire you above all else. May we do as Jesus said, to seek you first and your kingdom and your righteousness. Then whatever other things come, that's just all gravy. So Lord, may we be people of faith so that we bring a smile to your face. You say, boy, good job. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.